absolute pleasure to be with you. Uh, I was here speaking about four years ago, I think it was. Um, and at the time, my husband, Tim, and I, we had just planted a church, or we had rather, we had just moved to Birmingham about an hour down the road. In fact, I think there's a picture of Tim and our four kids up there looking angelic. They were, I mean, just so you know, they are always angelic like that, all of the time. <laughs> Any parent here will know that that is a lie. I have started this talk with a lie. No, they're, they're pretty awesome. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, about four years ago, Tim and I, we moved to Birmingham. Um, God has called us there to plant this church. And actually, before we started meeting on a Sunday uh, as a small team, Tim and I had about a few, a few months where we didn't have to be at a particular church on Sunday. Uh, prior to that, we'd been in London for 10 years on staff at a church in London called HTB. And so we found ourselves in Birmingham with these few months not needing to be anywhere on a Sunday, which was kind of alien to us having worked for the church for so many years. And so what we did is we snuck along here. Uh, and so there were several Sundays that we got to come along here and we love this church. We absolutely love this church. And it was such a joy in that season just to sneak along to Trent Vineyard. And, and I just want to remind you, in case you're not totally and utterly aware of this, you are so blessed to be part of this church, honestly. You are so blessed to have leaders like the ones that you have. And so here I am again, sneaking along to Trent Vineyard. And today, I want to talk about a life of adventure. That's really the title of what I want to say, a life of adventure. And I wonder what it is that you think of when you hear the word adventure. How would you define adventure? What do you think of? Is, is it this? Maybe this is what you think of. That's me on our summer holiday in France last year. Yes, it's just what I do, you know, hanging out. Or, or maybe when you think about adventure, you think about this, me again. Again, just a relaxed afternoon on holiday. There I am, navigating the rapids. Or maybe when you think about adventure, you think about this. Not me. <laughs> Definitely not me. Uh, this is a 90-year-old woman skydiving. And so this is to prove that we are not too old to embrace adventure. And so when... Um, when we started Gastry, the church that Tim and I lead, when we started it just three and a half years ago, really, uh, apart from all the mistakes that we made, and there were plenty in those first couple of months, in fact, we haven't stopped making mistakes, to be quite honest. But one of the first questions that we wanted to ask ourselves, that we wanted to ask God, was this. What does a follower of Jesus, so what is a disciple, what is a Christian, what does a follower of Jesus look like at Gas Street? What kind of disciple are we trying to raise up within our church? And so if our job as the, the lead pastors is to raise up and to release all these disciples, how could we articulate what kind of disciple we were looking to nurture at our church. And so we came up with these seven words. And one of those words, I won't go through all seven of them, but one of those words was this word adventurous. 
we decided that we want to do everything in our power, everything that we could to raise up and release a load of disciples that would choose to embrace a life of adventure. And the kind of adventure that we're talking about here isn't really anything to do with extreme sports or becoming an adrenaline junkie, although you may well want to do that, as I have, as you can see. But rather, choosing to embrace a life of adventure is really to choose a life of risk and uncertainty, to step out of the comfort zone and into the unknown. That's what it means to embrace a life of adventure, not just for the thrill of it, not just because it puts us on the edge of our seat, but because when we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to a life of following him, when we say yes to the adventure of walking as a disciple with Jesus, we're saying yes to being with Jesus. We're saying yes to becoming like Jesus. And we're saying yes to doing the things that Jesus did. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we become part of this much bigger plan. We get to play our part in God's kingdom being established wherever it is that he calls us to be at any particular season. And I don't know about you, but I find it so tragic when I see Christianity being perceived as something that's kind of boring and parochial, this kind of sanitized, insipid existence of hiding away from the big, scary, nasty world, you know, standing in judgment at a distance, uh, judging anyone who thinks differently from us. That's not what Jesus models for us. When we say yes to Jesus, it means choosing to look at the world with eyes of faith. It means choosing to look at the world not as it is, but as it could be. Not simply just accepting the injustice that we see around us, not, not just simply ignoring the hopelessness that we see every day, but boldly believing for a different kind of reality, a kingdom of God-shaped reality, not just settling for what we see, not just settling for the status quo, quo, but boldly believing for transformed lives, boldly believing for renewed cities and for churches that are on fire with Jesus. But you see, this kind of reality, it's not gonna be created by the realists. It's not going to be ushered in by the cynics or the spectators. No, that kind of God-shaped reality is going to be ushered in by ordinary, everyday, fallible adventurers who are prepared to, to face fear and uncertainty and potential failure and heartache and bravely embark anyway on the God-shaped adventure, whatever the cost, whatever it takes. Because as we look around, I don't know about you, but certainly in the city that we live in, as we look around, there is so much need. Individuals, entire communities, systems and structures that are aching and breaking for a lack of God in them. And so, this is not the time, is it, to settle or to get comfy? This is not the time just to kind of plod along spiritually. It's, it's not the time to get stuck in kind of default mindsets. 
But instead, this is the time to be mission ready, to be adventure ready. I've loved um, watching the tennis players at Wimbledon over the, last, uh, over the last couple of days. And what I spotted looking at those tennis players, they spent hours and hours, don't they, on the tennis court. But in those hours and hours that they spend on the court, almost never do you see them distracted. Almost never do you see them off guard. No, instead that they're stood there on the baseline, like postured, ready, ready for whatever is going to come their way. And so for us, our posture as followers of Jesus, we should be adventure ready, mission ready, ready for whatever it is God might be calling us into in a particular moment or even bigger than that. Tim and I lead an Anglican church. And so our boss, if you like, is the Bishop of Birmingham. And actually, the church that we now lead was his idea. And I remember at our commissioning service three and a half years ago, he said these words to the people that were gathered at that very first gathering that we had. He said, you know what? This church has been called to be a church for the uncomfortable. This is not a church where you're going to sit down and get comfy and stay still. No, God has called this church to be a church for the uncomfortable. And that has stayed with us, this idea that we would raise up this crew of disciples that are ready, mission ready, adventure ready. And you know, that's what drew us to this church. That's what we tasted here at this church. And I know uh, there are Many, many people already at this church living like that, living those lives of adventure. Every day, ordinary Christians who have chosen to put aside comfort, to put aside convenience and control and to pursue the adventure that God is calling them into. And so, as I said at the beginning, uh, we've got so much to learn from you guys, so much to learn, but I sense that God wants to speak to each one of us today with a fresh encouragement, maybe a fresh revelation of what it means right now in this season to follow him into a life of adventure. And it's important to mention, I think at this point, that life can be really complicated. Life is not always straightforward. We know, don't we, that life is nuanced, really, with ups and downs, with highs and lows, uh, from like the mind-numbingly mundane to the unexpected, to the unplanned. And sometimes it can feel like our present circumstances, they feel like they restrict us somehow. Maybe it's a season that feels quite limiting in some way. And we know, don't we, any of us that have followed Jesus for any length of time, we know that this journey of adventure at times can be overwhelming. At times it can be really, really hard going. And it might be that you're here and you feel actually somewhat battle weary. Maybe you're here and actually you just feel pretty jaded by the whole thing. Maybe you've allowed disappointment to kind of grow and fester in your heart and you can feel it beginning to turn into resentment and cynicism. 
maybe you're here and you feel hemmed in somehow or overlooked at this point of time. And for some, actually, the, the harsh reality of what you're going through right now feels really, really tough. And again, the sense I have is that God wants to speak to us into that place. He wants to speak to each of us about what that next step of adventure might be. And it's going to be different for each of us. It might be here, you might be here and and you don't know Jesus. You're exploring faith. You're not sure what you believe. And for you, actually, the next step is a step into faith. It's a step of saying, I'm going to make this step of faith, trusting Jesus that you're real, even though I still have a million questions. And so I want us to take a moment just for a second to think about, to think about what it would look like if we just fast forward it a year. In your minds, just fast forward a year from now. And so what would it look like a year from now if you embraced more fully a life of adventure? What changes would you make? Where you, might you be in terms of your, your career or your finances or, or some of the key relationships in your life, in terms of location, maybe, faith? What about around your daily choices in terms of what you do with your, your time and your energy? And what will it take to get there from where you are now to where you sense God might be leading you? Why don't we just pray for a moment, just invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us specifically. And so Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here and that you long to speak to us. And I pray, would you do that? Would you open our hearts, our ears, our eyes to really hear your voice and allow you to lead us. Amen. And so I want us to look at um, a passage of scripture that may well be fairly familiar to a bunch of you in the room. And this is, uh, this is uh, one of those Apostle Peter iconic moments. There are a few of those, aren't there, in the Gospels? Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, then the Apostle Peter was one of uh, Jesus' 12 disciples. And, uh, you know, I like Peter. I really like Peter because Peter is kind of like this bag of contradictions, isn't he? You know, on the one hand, he's, he's passionate, he's absolutely passionate, but he's also really impulsive and at times kind of hot-headed. He's also the guy that says quite frequently the wrong thing at the wrong time. And yet this is the guy that stands up and preaches in front of a crowd of thousands at Pentecost and 3,000 give their lives to Jesus. This is the guy who is just an ordinary working class fisherman who Jesus calls to establish the movement that is the church around him. This is the guy that at times is so full of faith and yet is also full of fear. And what I love about Peter is that he demonstrates for us so brilliantly what it looks like to embrace this life of adventure that we're talking about. So we're going to dive into the book of Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. And I think, yeah, it's up on the screen. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, do that as well. Okay, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up the mountainside to pray. 
When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When the, um, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I love this story. I love this story. But here's the tension in this story. Perfectly illustrates this tension. And this is a tension that I know I face as a Christian almost every single day of my life. Here's the tension. I want to walk on the water, but at times I just don't want to get out of the boat. That's the tension, right? We want to walk on the water, but at times we just don't want to get out of the boat. There are times where I feel compelled by the Spirit to step into the unknown, to risk uncertainty, and yet too often I just want to cling to grab hold of the safety of the boat and what I know. I want a life of adventure. I want a life of purpose. I want a life that counts for something in the kingdom of God. And yet I don't want to take the risk. I don't want to take the step of faith. There's something so simple and profound in this moment of encounter between Peter and Jesus. And we know, don't we, that even on a superficial reading of it, we know that this isn't like some kind of party trick that Jesus is wanna, wanting to show to his disciples, you know, he's off duty. Hey guys, I'm gonna show you what I can do. No, he's not showing off his miraculous powers. We have this sense that Jesus is wanting to show them something, to teach them something, particularly Peter in this moment. And so as we read it, we get a feeling, right, that this isn't really about boats. This isn't really about lakes. This isn't even really about walking on the water, as amazing as that is. You see, this encounter, it's about faith. It's about obedience. It's about trust. And it's about adventure. And so I want to invite you to think about two questions. Too quick, not, not, not just to think about them, but to again invite God to come in and speak to you specifically about your own life. And so the first question is, what's the boat? What's the boat? And the second question is, what's the water? What's the boat and what's the water? You see, it's on the boat. It's on the boat 
that we begin to identify what stands in the way of us and the water. It's on the boat that we work out what our fears are. And so often it is fear that stops us, right, from stepping out onto the water. The problem is there is no adventure without some fear. It doesn't exist. In fact, adventure by its very nature should cause us to kind of sweat a little bit, right? And I wonder if sometimes as Christians, we have this slightly skewed mindset around fear. We think to ourselves, well, if I'm afraid, if I'm scared to step out into something, it must not be God. You know, that somehow the absence of fear is therefore a sign that it is God. We, we misinterpret peace as being like an absence of fear, but it doesn't work like that. It didn't work like that for Peter. Peter was terrified. In fact, the first words that Jesus says to his disciples in that moment is, do not be afraid. Therefore, they must have been afraid. They must have been afraid. In fact, there's a good precedent for that throughout the Bible. How many times do we read in the scripture when, when God is inviting somebody into a really, really scary God-shaped adventure, the first thing they say is, ah, and God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But you see, God is more concerned with what we do with the fear. He's more interested in what comes after the fear. What's interesting is that this whole thing this whole setup with the boat on the lake and the storm, this whole thing is Jesus's idea. And it does kind of feel like a setup. Jesus says to his disciples, right, you guys, you get into the boat, go out onto the lake. I'm going to stay here and pray. Now, Peter is a fisherman. And we know that a couple of the other guys are fishermen. They knew this lake really well. They knew the weather patterns really well. And I reckon there's a pretty good chance that they knew that that storm was coming. We certainly know that Jesus knew the storm was coming. But he doesn't say, oh, actually, no, don't. Don't, because there's a storm coming. It's not going to be safe, guys. Just, you know, camp on the beach. No, he sends them out onto the lake knowing that that storm is coming. But they do it. They obey. They get into the boat. They row out several miles into the middle of the lake. And sure enough, the storm comes. The wind picks up. The waves are against them. And we know that the disciples spend the best part of that night rowing, fighting against the wind and the waves. And again, I wonder if one of our misunderstandings that we have around faith, around following Jesus, is that somehow we're then immune to difficulty and adversity. And so when it hits, we're like, why are you sending this difficulty? Where's this adversity coming from? I, I thought you said, if I followed you, Jesus, but we see here that Jesus deliberately leads them into difficulty and adversity. How does this challenge the, the way that we view faith? How does this challenge the way that we think about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And yet what we see is that Jesus shows up right in the midst of the adversity. In fact, he shows up over it. He shows up above the adversity and he's walking on the water. Why? 
Why? Because he wants to help the disciples, again, particularly Peter. He wants to help Peter to identify what is going to stand in the way of him and each of those disciples, what's going to stand in the way of them getting out of that boat in the middle of that storm with everything against them, what's going to stand in that way. And he wants to do the same for us. What is it that's going to get in the way of us choosing the life of adventure that Jesus is calling us into? He wants to confront their fears and he wants to confront our fears today. And of course, that fear will look differently for each one of us. And I wonder if for some of us, the fear is a fear of discomfort. That's the fear. That's what keeps us in the boat. We hold on so tightly to the boat as this place of safety. And you know, boats are great. Boats are a place of safety. Many years ago now, in my early 20s, before I was married, um, my two brothers worked in Australia. And so my mum and dad and I planned this trip to go and visit him, visit them, like a, a trip of a lifetime to Australia. And so while we were there, we decided that we'd take like a boat trip all together. Uh, and so we were on this boat off the coast in Australia. And it, I mean, it is stunning, absolutely stunning out there. Uh, and we packed with us a bit of snorkeling gear and these, these stinger suits that you have to wear that are like a really thin wetsuit that you wear just to protect yourself from the jellyfish. I mean, there's the clue. Uh, and so I was a little apprehensive, I have to say, about getting out of the boat and into the water because in Australia, there are things in the water that will eat you for breakfast. And I was acutely aware of this, but my brother was like, come on, Rach, let's do it. There's so much to see out there. And so I donned my uh, snorkel gear. I, I put my stinger suit on uh, and I tentatively got into the water. And we swam, you know, a couple of meters away from the boat. Uh, and my brother just sort of affectionately put his arm around my shoulder and was like, Rach, come on, let's, let's do this. This is awesome. You've got this, Rach. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I, I began to put my face in the water and swim a little bit. And suddenly I could just see all, this ama all these amazing fish, colors, stunning, all kind of at a safe distance, several feet below the water. And then my brother swam back to the boat. And in that moment, it was like every living creature just swam at me, like swam for my neck and my face, and I shot up out of the water, started screaming, and ran to the safety of the boat. And when I got to the boat, I found my brother in absolute hysterics and discovered that when he put his arm affectionately around my shoulder, he attached a large piece of fish bait to the top of my zip. And in that moment, the boat very much felt like a place of safety. But the problem is, if we allow it, the place of safety becomes the place of comfort, becomes the place of comfortable. And, and actually, the more comfortable that we feel, the less inclined we are to want to step out of the boat. And you know, risk and comfort, they're actually, they actually can become habits. You know, the more we choose risk over comfort, the easier it is to do it again. And actually, the more we choose comfort over risk, 
the harder it is to take a risk again. We become risk averse. We become almost fearful of discomfort. We make the nice, comfortable life our goal. We make an easy life our ambition. And we fear of anything that might just mess it up. Some of us actually, it's not around that. The fear is around uncertainty. Or another word for it is doubt. We doubt ourselves. Or maybe we doubt Jesus. Maybe we doubt that Jesus is and says who is and who he says he is, is able to do the things that he says he can. And I wonder if some of those disciples decided to stay on that boat, because let's not forget, it was only Peter that steps out. And maybe some of those disciples, they decide to stay in the boat because they weren't fully convinced that Jesus was who he says he was. In fact, in Mark's gospel, his version of the story, he says their hearts were hardened. And I wonder if for some people, your ability to trust has been so undermined by stuff that has happened in your life. Maybe stuff that was completely out of your control. And actually for you, you struggle to believe that God's plan is worth the risk. Because you've been let down before. You've been wounded and hurt before. And you've learned the hard way. Just, just rely on yourself. Stay within the familiarity and the safety of the boat. And so some of us, we choose to stay in the boat because, because the uncertainty of stepping out is just too much. It's too much. For others, it's a fear of failure. It's a fear of failure. We hear this story of Peter stepping out of the boat and we, we view this story through the lens of failure. We focus on that moment where Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink. And there's this fleeting moment of failure. And it's for that very reason that we don't step out. We perceive his kind of his humiliation in that moment, that, that sinking in front of everyone, sinking in front of Jesus, his imperfection. He tried, yeah, but he failed. He failed and it's the fear of failure mindset that some of us have that keeps us strapped in, secure in that boat. I heard the story of uh, a young woman who was in her third year at university and she was coming up to her final exams and she was absolutely terrified, really terrified. She was a brilliant student, top class student. But these exams that loomed in front of her were absolutely terrifying her. She was kind of almost debilitated by fear. And her parents had, had realized just how badly she was feeling in that moment. So they contacted her tutor. And her and her parents and the tutor had a meeting together. And in the meeting, the tutor could see quite clearly how fearful of failure this young woman was. And so he said to her, look, what if I give you an A? What if I give you an A right now? Before you've even sat one of your exams, what if I give you an A right now? Would, would that help? And she gently nodded. He said, okay, you've got it. You've got the A, it's yours. You've got an A, now go and sit your exams. And so she sat her exams and on her own merit, she absolutely aced them. 
And the parents phoned up the tutor afterwards just to say thank you. And the tutor said, hey, don't thank me. All I did was I took the fear away. All I did was I took the fear away. And the tragedy is, I have seen too many godly, gifted, passionate followers of Jesus, actually particularly women, if I'm honest, shrink back, opt out of what they're called to do, of the life of adventure that they're called to. I've seen, I've seen them completely undermined, almost taken out, crippled by this fear of failure. And you know, in my own life, there have been times where I have stepped out into the things that I know God has been calling me to do. And, and I've experienced that horrible sense of failure. And, and honestly, most of the time, it's just a perceived failure anyway. It's a subjective failure anyway. Uh, and then when I'm in that moment, what happens is, is I'm just hit by this, like, this wave, this onslaught of shame. And I find myself saying in my head, don't do that again. Don't step out again. Never do that again. Never risk that horrible feeling again. And I reckon there are people in that, this room that, that, that resonate with that experience. You know God is calling you to something. You've taken a risk. You've experienced failure and you've opted out. You've opted into the safety of the boat because you don't want to experience that again. And you know the only antidote, antidote to that? It's really simple. You've got to get up and you've got to try it again. You've got to get up and you've got to say yes again. Because you know the biggest failure? The biggest failure is not to sink under the waves as Peter did. The biggest failure is to never get out of the boat. That's the biggest failure. You see, Jesus is willing us out of the boat. And so the second question is, what's the water? In your own life, what's the water? I love what John Ortberg wrote in his brilliant book all around this story. He said this, let water walking be a picture of doing with God's help what I could never do on my own. If I'm gonna experience a greater measure of God's power in my life, it will usually begin by my acting in faith, trusting God enough to take a step of obedience. Simply acknowledging information about his power is not enough. I have to get my feet wet. But when I say yes, I set in motion an adventure that will leave me forever changed. He's inviting you to go on the adventure of your life but at the same time, you're scared to death. What will you choose, the water or the boat? And so the water is stepping into something that God is calling you to, that humanly speaking is totally beyond you. You know, when God called Tim and I to uproot our whole lives from London and move to Birmingham, it felt like stepping out of that boat. You know, our four kids were settled there, schools, friendship, house, the works, church, life, everything was rooted in London. We thought we were going to stay there forever, forever. And then God says, no, I've got another plan for you. I'm asking you to start this church in Birmingham and to begin a new chapter of your lives there. 
And at first, we were like, are you sure? Are you sure, Birmingham? Are you sure about this? And slowly, as we made those trips up the motorway, we could begin to feel God's heart for that city. We began to fall in love with the place and we, could, we were just brimming over with this vision for what God might do through this humble little church that we had the privilege of leading. But it took us to step out of the boat. There were no guarantees. There were no guarantees. We stepped out into uncertainty. We'd never led a church before. We stepped out and took a risk trusting that this was the thing that God was calling us to. And for everyone, that step is going to be different. I reckon there are church planters in this room. And maybe it's something you've been holding in your heart secretly. And God is saying, come on, I'm calling you out to do that. For others, it will be the area of business, entrepreneurs in this room. God has planted a business idea in your mind. And he's saying, come on, step out of the boat. I'm in this. For others, it will be around sharing your faith, praying, seeing God's power at work, in your workplace, in your community, at the school gates, whatever it might be. I've got a great friend called Lizzie who was a part of our church for, for the first few years. And then God called her out of the lovely, lovely school that she was working in, in a very nice part of Birmingham. And God had said to her, I'm calling you to work in a school for orphans in South Africa. And so she took that step. She stepped out and she said, I said to her, how did you get to that point? How do you go from this nice life with guaranteed income? There was no guaranteed income with this new job. How do you step from there to there? And she said, do you know what it was, Rach? It was about a hundred little yeses. It was about a hundred little yeses. What's the little yes that God is asking you to take today? What I love about this story as well is that it was Peter's idea to step out of the boat. It was Peter's idea to join Jesus on the water. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. You know, he could have easily done the sensible thing, which would have been, and there's a precedent for this again in the Bible, which would have been to say to Jesus, could you just calm the storm? Would you mind? But he doesn't do that, does he? In that moment, he has this kind of crazy idea. I can imagine Peter standing on the edge of the boat and this crazy idea just kind of drops into his head. And for some of us, I think the fear is that we think the adventure that God wants to call us into is going to be completely against our will, that somehow we're not going to like it, that he's going to call us to do something that we really don't like the sound of. But no, what you need to understand is that if we allow him, if we begin to take that little yes, he will grow our desire to do the things that he's calling us to. I remember uh, just before we moved to uh, Birmingham, we went to Australia. I realized that's the second reference to traveling to Australia. They were the only two times. Uh, and I remember being in Australia in Sydney, and Sydney is stunning. Birmingham is, it's not stunning. It's got a lot of heart. And so I'm stood there on this beach in Sydney. I'd been for a run along the beach in Sydney. I mean, it's amazing. And I remember being stood there thinking, God, could you just plant, call us to plant a church here? Like, I reckon Sydney is crying out for a really great Anglican church. Could you just, 
And all of a sudden, I just felt this overwhelming love for Birmingham. And I knew in that moment that God could kind of dangle the carrot of any other stunning international capital city. It's not a capital city, is it? Sorry. And yet I knew that we were meant to be in Birmingham and there was nowhere else I wanted to be. But Peter waits, doesn't he? He checks that this crazy idea, as he stood on the edge of the boat, he has this crazy idea. Maybe I should just step onto the water. But he, he checks to see if God's in it. And so he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. It's like he's saying, I'm only going to do this if I'm absolutely sure that it's your idea. Because there is nothing logical or sensible about stepping out of a boat onto water in the middle of a storm. In fact, storm or no storm, it's not very sensible. But it is if it's Jesus. It is if it's Jesus. I love this, this quote that I found on Instagram the other day. Courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway. Stupidity is the same. And that's why life is hard. <laughs> and for some of us, we have this sense that God is calling us. He's calling us into an adventure. We just need confirmation that it's him. Some of us were so fixated on the storm. We've taken our eyes off Jesus. We're more confident in the storm's ability to crush us than we are confident in Jesus' ability to save us. And I end with this. You know, as I was reading over that story of Peter walking on the water, this phrase kept going around my head. You know that phrase, don't rock the boat, don't rock the boat, you know, don't change anything, don't mess with things, just keep things as they are, don't rock the boat, don't do anything drastic, just keep things just as they are. But the sense that I had, that the thing that I, I sensed God was wanting to say is rock the boat, Rock the boat. Rock the boat of your fear. Rock the boat of your apathy. Rock the boat of your comfort. Rock the boat of your doubt. Rock the boat. Rock the boat. Don't settle for the boat. Don't settle for the boat because God is calling you onto the water. And I really do end with this amazing Amazing words from Sir Francis Drake. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. Or you could say, disturb us, Lord, when we are too comfortable. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we have arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Can I invite you to stand and let's pray. 